0: Hey, I'm Miyuki Ranta, and I'm back with Earshot. Starting today, we're telling tales of remembering and forgetting with our brand new season called Remember Me. We begin with a story about how when we lose our memories, we also lose our identity.
1: I felt like a lizard just sitting there silently.
0: The front man for a band on the rise can't remember himself and the songs he's written.
1: I had no... Know recollections, I had no fears.
0: Left without an identity, he goes searching for his memories.
1: I was doing an impersonation.
0: Producer Sam Loy brings us the story of Roman Tucker's journey to remember himself and the moments in his past that define who he is.
2: So in 2018, I went to Golden Plains, which is a music festival in regional Victoria. And there, I saw a band called Rocket Science.
1: Are we having, having fun. fun?
2: I was told that they were pretty big, about 15 years or so earlier, but I couldn't actually remember if I'd heard them. They played a brand of rock and roll that could be described as both modern as well as good old-fashioned. Their frontman was Roman Tucker, who danced his six-foot-four frame around the stage like the love child of Mick Jagger and James Brown. They were easily the best thing at the festival. But it was only later that I learned the story of Roman's accident. But to tell that story, we have to start at the start, way back in 1998. Roman had made a demo tape of four songs. He had this idea of music being a journey with the band Flying the Plane. He believed that music could transport the listener all he needed was a
1: crew. I've been sort of watching this band, the Freeloaders, play and, and Dave Gray was playing bass for them. And I kind of became um, enamoured by Dave. So, you know, I found out where he lived and popped a tape in his letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> I put it on
3: and I went, this is absolutely awesome. Yeah, he got back to me and said, yeah, I liked that. Uh, My name's Dave Gray, and I play bass in Rocket Science. I was involved in a
1: puppet band at the time called Velvet Tongue, a little bit like the Muppets crossed with Meet the Feebles. And the drummer of that band was Kit Warhurst, and I'm the drummer in Rocket Science. Mm -hmm. Dave was playing music with another guy, and I suggested Paul Mabry. I play guitar. So we had this rehearsal, and it kind of immediately sounded like Rocket Science.
4: I mean, you can hear it on our first record, there's a a song on there that was recorded at the first ever rehearsal on on two mics on a four track cassette.
2: The band rehearsed some more, Dave came up with a name, and then Rocket Science started playing shows. Word spread about their high-energy performances, with Roman leading the way.
3: Roman's an incredible mover. Performance was everything, like the way he carried himself, the way he danced, the way he moved around. Well, it's kind of like, you know, someone is being electrocuted slowly. You know, Roman would jump into the crowd and every night he'd get cut and bruised.
4: They released one album and then another. You know, we were probably doing fairly
2: well in what might have been called at the time the youth market. Roman and Dave from Rocket Science, welcome into Triple J. In 2002, one of their songs made the Hottest 100.
3: We thought that, you know, with the success of the second album, we could definitely build on it with the third album.
2: Then, a UK tour and festival spots with Metallica and the Black Keys. They hit the road with Supergrass.
3: We'd just make a little step up the
2: ladder, a step up the ladder, a step up the ladder with sort of each thing we, we, we did.
4: Uh, we're Rocket Science watching Rage.
2: Some were saying They were the next big thing. You don't know what
1: to do with that kind of you know information really. You're being talked
2: about, so that does that mean you're somebody? So that's the first chapter, how four individuals became rocket science, fronted by charismatic Roman Tucker. But all of that was about to change.
1: playing two shows for a single launch at Ding Dong Lounge in 2004. I pushed myself to the limit of the first evening. The second night,
3: we were at a birthday party for our publicist. And so we were all going to meet at the Phoenix Bar before the show. Everyone had had a big night the night before, of course. And just as I was
1: uh, sitting there, I I thought to myself, gee, I I feel a bit weird something's up, something's going on here. So I stood up and went to find somewhere to sit down. I believe I knew that there was some, some couches upstairs or something. So I went over to where the stairwell was and just at that spot, I fainted and hit my head.
4: Yeah, he was not responsive.
3: I needed my partner Rolls him on the side, points to someone, said, phone the ambulance. It was life or death, right there and then.
5: Pete and I had been down to Melbourne to see... I don't even remember what show it was. We just got home and the phone rang. Roman's had an accident. He's gone to hospital and you need to come down. It's it's serious, in other words... Well, I'm Chris Schmidt. I'm uh, Roman's Tucker's mum.
2: Roman was taken to hospital and put in an induced coma.
5: By the time we got in to see him, he was all tubed up and everything. And the doctors had said he's given himself a frontal lobe brain injury. That will be a permanent injury. We're trying to stabilise him right now because there's bleeding in the brain. So they had to put a shunt in his, through his skull, into his brain to release the pressure and the fluid that was building up.
4: Yeah, it was really, really deeply shocking because the last time I'd seen him, he was, you know, vital being the life of the party. And the next thing he's like lying in a hospital bed in a coma. And we had been told by that stage, you know, through the family, to
3: expect the worst. You know, that was really hard to hear.
5: I just... Cried and cried and cried, so much crying going on. But all you want to do is, you know, work out how to make it all better.
2: (laughs) The doctors kept Roman in the coma for six days. I remember coming out of
1: a coma and seeing the world for the first time.
5: And he was, like, anxious and trying to pull things off and rip things out.
3: But that was really confronting and Roman looked really different. He was slurring his speech, he was...
5: ...dribbling and couldn't walk properly, couldn't feed himself.
3: Yeah, a shadow of his former self. I have very
1: hazy, liquid memory of the room, of, of, you know, silhouettes. People talking. Generally, a misunderstanding of what was going on. I couldn't really comprehend... The world. A woman came up to me at this stage and said, um, "Do you know who I am?" I guessed. I said, "My auntie." And she said, "No, I'm, I'm your mother."
5: I did feel as though it was a passing thing. He'll he'll learn to know me. <laughs> He'll he'll know I'm his mother in a minute. You know it'll be all right. <laughs> but you just don't know where it's going to stop.
1: I do recall being played Rocket Science, and my reaction was, "So who's this band then? I like them."
5: So no, that's Rocket Science. That's that's your band.
1: It soon became apparent that I had had massive amnesia and didn't recall who I was. I had no recollection of anything at all.
0: After a couple of weeks,
2: Roman was moved to a rehabilitation centre.
5: Everything had to be relearned, really everything um he couldn't read
2: i I remember being locked in
1: to the toilet and calling out to people to try and help me get out of the toilet because i didn't have that knowledge
5: i remember we took him down to uh, the yarra river one time and uh he was walking you know like um that puppet show from the ages ago the thunderbirds he was lifting his legs up in an exaggerated way to trying to walk up up steps because he hadn't done steps.
1: I have this sort of um, metaphor of, of feeling like I was a lizard with not a lot going on, not a lot of f- thoughts about future or past. I had no recollections. I had no fears. So It was actually one of the most blissful, magical moments of my life. And then what happened for me was memories start being placed back. The memory will kind of be triggered and then you have that memory again. Not in their entirety, just like, oh, that is my mother or I'm in a band, you know, and then you have to find out all of the details about that memory.
5: Yeah, it's been like a filing cabinet, isn't it, you know? And now he's, he's taking out all these little files and thought, oh, what's that one back there? What's that file <laughs> say?
1: It felt like a miracle, you know. It's like, wow! Because, you know, it's like it's like being born again every time.
2: Roman could remember being on stage and touring with his mates and the hype around the band. And so that feeling of being born again gave way to a feeling of loss when he realised who he had been and where he had been going.
1: And that's when the real work and... Um, Just sadness and depression sets in. I remembered at that point that I, as a younger person, liked playing basketball. So, you know, they're encouraging me to go down to the basketball court at the rehabilitation centre and um, just bounce a ball and have some shots and stuff, you know, because it's all about memory and and dexterity, helping with my ability to be me.
5: But he, he hated being in there. He hated it.
1: Yeah, because he can't leave, you know. Um, so you're in this space and you you need to now spend this time in a prison because, you know, you don't know who you are. And
5: so we convinced the team of doctors down there that we would be his carers here.
2: Here is Chris and Peter's home, which is a peaceful spot in the bush about an hour west of Melbourne.
5: We used to have a piano over there. <laughs> so he would try and play... And he'd be so distressed and upset.
1: I remember saying at one point, I, I just can't control my hands. You know, I can't stop them from shaking, you know.
5: I was trying to make his fingers work and they weren't working as they should.
1: It was tragic, you know, because I, I knew that I could play and I couldn't play. It was really um, confronting when I couldn't find the notes and I couldn't move my fingers the way I wanted them to.
5: He slept a lot still, and I suppose it was a matter of eating, sleeping, and playing the piano and going for walks. That was really the days.
1: I was trying to sort through what was reality and what was my acquired brain injury, because I had a very strange connection with reality at that time.
5: You know, he'd ask a question about something that happened in his past that he was remembering somehow.
1: It was like magical realism, you know. Everything felt like poetry. So I was trying to work out what was real and what wasn't. So I would ask Christine, my mum.
5: I have this memory. Is that what happened?
1: Is this real? Did this happen?
5: (laughs) I suppose he started to emerge during that time because he was remembering more about himself.
2: So with Roman feeling a little bit more like his old self, attentions return to the band. The old chestnut of the show must go
4: on, like it's real. And it's like the only thing that counts.
3: All you want is for one of your best friends to be okay. But inevitably, life realities kick in.
4: And there was definitely pressure from management record labels and, and probably Roman himself thinking that he was obliged to continue on with what we'd planned, you know, as far as promoting
1: a record and pushing the band along. I was like, no, I can overcome this, you know, the, the power of, of the mind. I'm going to overcome all these challenges, you know, learn how to play again, be that person on stage again. So... I started to research myself. Great. This uh, next song is by God. For me, I... Am That's so right. He would watch
5: himself on so videos and event. a
1: and
5: lot so just to hard see hard hard. what did he do and how did he do it? <laughs> and I'm sure wasn't he was like a teenager practicing his room.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> I'm doing all the moves. I'm I'm working it out. I'm trying to get a handle on why and who this person is and why, why they perform the way they do, you know. And, you know, three months after the accident, we were
4: playing again.
5: I just thought it was crazy, but he wanted to be this person that he's supposed to be.
1: Looking back, he wasn't ready to play. I still looked like someone who'd been in a coma, you know. My hair hadn't grown back. Uh, I was shaking a lot. I felt very vulnerable. You could see him sort of
4: struggling to figure out what he was supposed to do, what the expectations were.
1: I mean, you can't take your eyes off Roman Tucker when he's performing on stage. It's one of his superpowers. And he'd lost that. And so, you know, in those initial gigs, people who came onto the shows to see the rocket science they knew and loved could see someone who had researched Roman Tucker and worked out that this is how Roman Tucker moved, this is what he wore... I was doing an impersonation.
2: But that old performing treadmill kept the band running. Then two years after the accident, they recorded a new album. That album was called Different Like You.
3: It It was a hard record to make. Yeah, Roman was definitely not up to his full capabilities, even two or three years down the track.
1: We eventually went on hiatus. We didn't even
3: have a conversation. We didn't say... Let's end it, let's have a rest. We just stop talking.
2: Before Roman's accident, Rocket Science had been riding this wave, but now that wave had crashed. In the five or so years that followed the band's breakup, Roman's recovery continued. And the therapies after that were my own therapies. I started a recording project
1: called The Soundtrack of My Life and I learned to play piano again. And I ended up being way better than I was before my accent. Like, way better. <laughs> <laughs> At first, my recovery was very steep, so I gained a lot of information and about myself and who I was very, very quickly. But then those last percentages unnoticeable you don't even know that they're happening but
2: there's something wrong with you but you're not sure what it is you can't put your foot on it roman remembered facts and events but oftentimes they floated in his memory without connection sometimes he didn't have an understanding that one memory was the cause of another so he searched more through his childhood looking for reasons why he was the person he was and how he got to be in the spot he was in and a lot of it it all seemed to start in the 80s and connect to a boy named Tim.
1: I met this other kid called Tim Hemminsley and we became friends and we uh, were immediately being creative. So he was a creative kid, had had a fabulous mind and um, I followed his lead. And after a while he wanted to form a punk band we called the band Royal Flush.
0: One, two, three, four, the
1: corner, I remember my cuticles all um, being torn apart and basically bleeding whilst, whilst trying to play these songs like Society Blues and um, Teachers Gestapo. We were 10 and 11. Our mothers would chaperone us to gigs so we'd be often playing with adult bands.
5: So the music was, you know, interesting, to say the least.
1: (laughs) If it wasn't for Tim, I wouldn't be doing any of the things that I do today and the person I am and the beliefs that I have.
2: Roman remembered how he and Tim stayed close friends, how Tim went on to form the band God when he was just 15, and later... The influential punk band Powder Monkeys. Roman remembered how he went on to play in his own bands, including Rocket Science. And he remembered late 2003, a year before his accident, when the band was on tour in the UK and they got a phone call.
4: So we were in a tour bus in the UK, I think we were going from London to
3: Bristol. And um, the phone rang, it was, uh, it was our manager Pete in Australia and um, he rang Dave's phone. And he goes, do you guys know Tim Hammondsley? And I went, well, we, we sure do. And I said, well, you know, Roman's known him since primary school and I passed the phone to Roman. And he just said, Melbourne rock musician
1: Tim Hammondsley has been reported to have died. It
4: just, it was it was tragic because it was just such a waste, you know. That's, that's how it strikes you when things like that happen. Do you go and do
3: the show that you're supposed to do that night? Do you, do you not? you know, nothing, none of that mattered anymore?
4: For Roman, it was, as being a childhood friend and someone who, they developed their creativity together, it was deeply traumatic.
2: Roman remembered the feeling of loss, not just of Tim, but also a piece of himself. With Tim gone, Roman felt untethered to the identity he'd been forming since Royal Flush. Roman remembered having no time to grieve how the tour had to continue. And he remembered how his battened down grief seeped out, but as self-destruction.
4: Well, Roman's always liked to throw himself around on stage and things like that as part of the stage show and he was becoming probably more determined in that and less heedful of whether he was actually
3: hurting himself or it was just show. He became more erratic and more self-destructive. Yeah, he was partying a lot.
1: Well, I was self-medicating and I was I kind of started to remove myself from everybody. I'm not. I'm. I'm not communicative. I'm shutting down internally,
4: and it, it, it's hard to you know, if, if someone's being um, an obnoxious lunatic, to actually go, "Hey mate, are you feeling okay?" You know, it's 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 they make themselves unapproachable. But as much as we all you know wanted to look after him, he wasn't really capable of accepting that.
3: I mean, he had no real control over what was happening. That was his grief and his sadness and his the torment
1: just playing out. I kind of kept pushing myself to the limit, to that grey area, close to the abyss, you know, and how compelling it can feel. I kept doing that until my accident.
2: The influence Tim had on Roman made him the person he was. And then Roman's reaction to Tim's death it nearly took all of that away. Um, you know, there's no blame
1: on him, of course, but I'm just saying that I had a deep loss because, you know, when I first met him, he was at the very cusp of my growth, you know, and and when I was in Royal Flush, I learnt about creativity and having a voice and, 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 and all these things, you know, which kind of carried me through my life. So when he passed away in 2003 I started to act out and become self-destructive and so it was a year later I was in the hospital (laughs) you know
2: Joining the dots on the events that led up to his accident gave Roman back a little bit more of himself Chris believed he hadn't really changed at all and had always been himself at his core.
5: One of the things they said, when when you have a brain injury, people can be very aggressive and very abusive. But Roman was never like that. In fact, one of the doctors did say, he's a gentle gentleman. And I thought, yeah, that's who he is.
2: But Roman still didn't feel whole. I was
1: pretending to myself, you know, I wasn't owning the fact that I had an accident even yet.
2: I was in denial. Roman had been so intent on piecing his identity together from the memories of his past that he was blind to the fact that he could never fully return to being the person he was because his accident had changed him. That accident will forever be a part of who he is. Living with an ABI is the objective. An ABI is an acquired
1: brain injury. But then I accepted the fact that I had actually had an accident and that I lived with an ABI. I, I, I kind of came to this point and I said, well, I live with this. I live with an ABI and I've had this happen to me and I'm okay with it. And around that time, I woke up one day and just had this overwhelming feeling of something had lifted, some, some sort of weight had lifted from my shoulders.
5: And it was sort of like a, it was a release of pretending,
1: It was like this overwhelming realisation that I could move on.
2: Roman considers himself pretty lucky. And not just because his accident could have been a lot worse, but also, and probably mostly, for the people around him. It was a great realisation through the accident that just how much
1: support and people are there for you. You I have it from Chris and Pete, but I have it from my friends, who I consider my family. I couldn't
2: imagine not having that support. Then in 2014, six years after they'd last played together, an old musical hero of the band's was assaulted and suffered his own brain injury. Benefit gigs were planned, and perhaps in an effort to pay it forward, Roman and Rocket Science jumped at the chance. It just all sort of clicked again straight away, you know, it was pretty instant. It's like, oh
4: yeah, I remember how much fun this can be. And so now they're a band again.
3: Yeah, to me, there's less at stake. It's not about a career in a, I don't want to use the word hobby, but it's just kind of like, it's just like getting together with my friends.
2: Rocket Science released an album in 2020 and they've got another coming in 2023. And if you go along to see them live, you'll see what I saw at Golden Plains. Roman has got his superpower back.
5: I love watching him perform. You know, all of that energy in and, up there in his individual style. Obviously biased as being a mother, but hey, I <laughs> can okay, I'm allowed to be.
1: <laughs> I guess I am aware the trajectory of the band has not been as it could have been. But at the same time, I am Ming again.
0: Remember Me, Roman was produced by Sam Loy, on Wurundjeri, Bonarong, and Jajawurong lands. The sound engineer was Matthew Crawford, and special thanks to the Meredith Music Festival for providing live sound, and Roman, Chris, Dave, Kit, and Paul for their time. Next up, we meet two women who live in Russia, in a country where even the mention of war is censored in emails and letters in fear of government retribution. So, what is ordinary life like for these forgotten Russians? Who didn't ask for this war? That's next time on Earshot. I'll catch you then. I'm Miyukiyoki Ranta.
2: New from ABC Books. All in the Mind. The RN program, Exploring Our Minds and Behaviour, is now a book.
0: The brain is perhaps the most important organ in our body, and yet in many ways it remains unfathomable to us.
2: Join longtime former host, Lynn Malcolm, as she reveals transformative stories from the forefront of neuroscience.
0: Does my brain really have the power to change itself?
2: All in the Mind. Book and audiobook available in bookstores and online.